Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. I only just caught my breath after that one, to be quite honest. Saturday's cup tie was frantic and entertaining and made all the better for both teams, actually seeming to take the FA Cup a little bit seriously. Marco started a strong team, which included a start from Anna Solomon, as the Whites went toe-to-toe with a young Sunderland squad whose starting lineup contained only two players over the age of 22. It had an average age of 21. And they really impressed, to be quite honest. An Easter Diop mistake gifted Clark a goal to put Sunderland in the league before our man Tom Kearney waltzed past the Sunderland back line in the second half to salvage us a replay at the Stadium of Light. Well, Fulham will wonder how they failed to find a way past a quite frankly outstanding Sunderland goalkeeper Anthony Patterson during the dying stages. They will know not to expect an easy night when they travel up to Sunderland for the replay. Joining me today to dissect yesterday's action is Cam Ramsey. How you doing? Hey, morning guys. Pleasure to be back on the pod proper. Yeah, I mean, you've been a little preoccupied of late with the uh, arrival of your beautiful daughter. But yeah, it's great to have you on, mate. Cheers. Good to be back. Also, first start of the season for Alex Irons. Hello. Great to have you on, man. Thank How you, you very doing? much. It's been seven years in the waiting, I think, since the last time I was on the podcast. <laughs> can we can we think of an, a Fulham player that had seven years between their uh, Fulham stars? Don't think that's ever 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 happened. <laughs> None comes to mind immediately. You were at the game yesterday doing the. Um, would you like to explain? It was the, the blind commentary. How was yes. that? Yes. So Fulham have, have recently started a service in in partnership with Alamarch Sports, uh, who provide audio descriptive commentary for uh, for the visually impaired, whether they be uh, fully blind or partially blind. Uh, it's a service where. People can come in. They can bring that. They bring their headphones with them. They can ask for a receiver uh, from security when they get to when they get into the stadium, and they can pick up commentary as it as it goes as the every every ball um, or every kick that's kind of going on in the ground. You'll hear it uh, live within the stadium as part of the Alan March uh, Sports Service. Um, we were at the ground game yesterday. We were at Spurs. I think we've been at every home game since the Everton game in October. That's brilliant, and it's such a great initiative, and it's great to hear that the uh, the club's getting on board with such things like this. Top work, man. Um, also joined by George Rossiter. You all right? I'm good, mate. How are you? I am very well. It was a weird one yesterday because I felt like, and we'll get onto it, I'm sure, but I felt like the game like really divided opinion. Half the people thought it was just an absolute sort of cup classic, and I mean, myself thought it was a bit scrappy, disjointed, and I found it a little bit hard to get into. But anyway, we've got some three-word reviews, I think, George, if you'd like to kick them off. We do. So we've got a couple of uh, Man of Solomon puns. We've got Joe Taylor with Solomon is really good. <laughs> and we've got uh, we've got Joe Kent with Man of the Hour. So like them. First start for Man of Solomon. Played quite well, I thought. Uh, we've got Kyle Beery with almost rig rolled after the uh, 15-year-old boy nearly scored the winner. Thank God that didn't happen. Bit of a hard start, that was. Uh, we've got the legend Richard Bamber with Feline the Pressure. 
a uh, reference to the Black Cats. And we've got my personal favourite, O Southwest Six at GC Bay Arena with Macam Play Again. <laughs> They're really good ones. The the caliber for three word reviews there was just you know absolutely superb. Cam, I think there's a lot to unpick there. So just straight off the bat, what did you make of that game? As I said, it seems to have divided opinion a little bit. The classic classic FA Cup tie, really, wasn't it? Um, I don't think we were expecting an easy game against Sunderland, who are doing relatively well in the Championship as well. Uh, Tony Mowbray's done a fantastic job at trying to stabilise them after a few dodgy years, uh, we could say. We've all seen um, Sunderland till I die, so we all know the ins and outs of how the club was run beforehand. But they seem to be they seem to be on the right trajectory now, and they certainly proved to be a team which is hard to break down and hard to beat, um, even against a high flying Fulham side. I thought the game really came down to Pat Patterson. Um, I have to, I have to say, he was absolutely unreal, um, and some of the saves he pulled off were top draw. You know, he made uh, easy saves look absolutely outrageous, and he made um, even harder saves appear like it came from manual noise show reel. He was a real credit to the squad, and you've got to remember that this team that visited the cottage—they um, were full of teenagers and university students, basically by the looks of it—and we've already <laughs> touched on Chris Rigg. But he also looked, I, I thought, you know, a real cut above at even the age of 15. He, he looked like he could definitely muscle in at a, a higher level. And it won't be long until we see Sunderland back in the, um, in the Premier League, I'm sure. So it's all lining up for a very cagey, cagey affair at the stadium of light whenever it's uh, rearranged. I was reading a few of the Sunderland fanzine websites after the game just to see what their take was. They seem to have, calling it the game of the season, it seems to have a, uh, a great time at Fulham. Uh, always a friendly bunch Sunderland. I do like the Sunderland supporters. But yeah, considering that, yeah, they were saying that the feel-good factor is back at Sunderland because it's been so long and my old housemate was a Sunderland fan and it was like two years where he just didn't want to talk about football at all. <laughs> not to, don't even mention it. But yeah, you mentioned Andy C. Patton made 10 saves across the match. Had that excellent double save that effectively secured the replay. It's just mad considering that he was in, playing in the National League at the start of the season. You know, loan to Notts County. Do you think that we can, uh, he's a young lad as well. Do you think we can see a future for him? Do you think he's got, got what it takes to be a top level goalkeeper? Well, why not? They seem to have a track record of putting through some pretty decent stoppers. Uh, look at Pickford, for example. Um, and if he's going to turn up in games against Fulham in the FA Cup um, and really, really steal the show, then there's no reason why he can't reach uh, top of the game. His ceiling is... Uh, is it's got no limits. So we just have to see. He's still a young lad. He's still probably got a lot to learn and a lot to prove at Sunderland um, throughout the rest of the season. But can't have any complaints for the way he conducted himself between the sticks. It was uh, really, really good to see from a young keeper to be so, uh, you know, so confident. So, yeah, good luck to him. Yeah. Alex, Marcus Silva said it was a typical cut match. The game was too broken for me to enjoy. When you can see the cheap goal, we need to. We needed quality to break their organisation. We created enough to score more, but we gave many moments to them. Do you feel like, on balance, a draw was a fair result? I think just about. I think Fulham were were lucky to get a draw in the end. The way that Sunderland were pressing, especially with with uh, with Patrick Roberts down that right hand side, really giving uh, Kawazara some trouble, and the fact that uh, into the build up of that rig goal, uh, one of the players was caught offside. I think is really unfortunate for him considering I don't think he started his GCSEs yet, which for me is Mad. someone who's double his age now is rather terrifying. Um, I feel that a draw, yeah, I think Fulham 
deserve a score a draw, but just I think that Fulham had enough in them to kind of to, to claw back a, a, a some kind of result. But bringing on Mitrovic, it did help. It helped kind of centralise play down the middle. Um, he gave uh, our players, uh, Andreas Pereira, a bit of a focal point, which Vinicius didn't really seem to be during the first half. And yeah, I'd say they they just about deserved a draw. But the way that Sunderland performed, I thought they were plucky. They played with no fear. And I, I hung around for the, the post-match stuff uh, after the game. And Tony Mowbray has absolutely no pressure on these Sunderland players at all. They're not expecting to press for the Premier League or the playoffs this year. They're expecting to finish mid-table anywhere else he's really happy with. So this team that, that at Sunderland are playing with no pressure. They're a bunch of uh, kids that are passionate about the sport. I think most of the, the bench were, what, 16, 17 as well. So it's absolutely ridiculous that a, a team with, with such young players are performing really well at the moment. They're only three points off the playoffs, I think. So uh, they're going great guns. And like you said, it'll be quite difficult going back to the stadium alight in a, a week and a half's time. And that Fulham team will not want to go there when this, they've got 40,000 fans behind them. Yeah. Do any of you chaps uh, plan to make the long midweek trip up to the northeast? I haven't thought no. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <I'm> not. <laughs> Last time I was at Sunderland was um, when it was December 17th, I think it was, 2017, when we... Matcha. Yeah, when we lost Yeah, that's the only time I've ever been. And it was the first time that they'd won at the Stadium of Light in over a year or something. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It was freezing cold, I remember. Anyway, I'm considering it, you know, I see I see when it lies, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, George, you didn't have to wait long for the opener, which was gifted, really, to Clark. I mean... Not much else to say other than that it was a really, really sloppy mistake from Diop, right? Yeah, it was a strange one yesterday because normally the differential between Diop and Tosin, whoever starts, um, comes down to whether Silva is preferring the ball player of the two, which is regularly Diop. Yet yesterday, Diop made the mistake on the ball very early on and from there I think his confidence was shot because any pass that didn't go sideways or backways to Tosin or Rodak was either out of play or to a Sunderland player, which was really unlike him. And Tosin, who myself and I'm sure many others have had their reservations over his on-the-ball ability, I thought he was very composed on the ball yesterday. I thought there was a couple of situations where he had to help Kazawa wide left to get out of a couple of tricky situations and a, a couple of cross-field balls to Harry Wilson, which we saw a lot of last season from both Tosin and Reem. So, yeah, quite uncharacteristic, but as we saw in in the Crawley game, and as the Fulhamish Twitter account referenced, he's a different player in the Cups to the Premier League, it seems. Yeah. I mean, Cam, I thought Marco started a pretty strong team. It's mad to think that the team that had seven changes from the previous outing still looks strong, you know, it shows our real kind of the strength and depth that we have. So we had Rodak in, uh, Kazawa, Tosin, Kenny, Solomon, Vinicius and Wilson out for Leno, Robinson, Reem, Reed, William, Mitrovic and Dekadova Reed. Overall, what did you make of the lineup and the choices that Marco made? I thought it was a, it was a good little selection that he put out. Um, obviously, you've got some fringe players in there. Uh, which had an opportunity to get out there and prove what they can do on a you know a stage which is going to be watched by many many people. Um, but it's quite obvious that there are some players that aren't, aren't necessarily up to the required standards. Um, I know that Sunderland they're performing very well. They're a very hardworking, you know, honest team. But you've got players like Kazawa that's getting spread on toast by Diallo. Um, I thought. 
his his whole performance other than putting that ball in the box for Kearney before he went on his little slalom and uh, strike um, was one of the most abject I've seen um, and this is a player I know that hasn't necessarily had a lot of game time and his confidence may well be at rock bottom but um, he's been in the camp long enough now to know what's expected of him um, in the English game and uh, it really didn't work out for him but other than that um, I thought that we had the measure of it you know we we started off fairly shakily of course they stole a goal um we tended to um, try to slow tempo down to counteract their high press so i thought the measure and the control of the game was okay um and that comes down to the players that were obviously fielded and tom kearney was awesome um yeah he's a player for me which is just such a good um you know tempo setter on the ball he's imperious in my eyes when he's trying to pick a man out um and obviously he got one of the best best goals i've ever seen him score um so i I didn't think that we were lacking that much um i just think there were a few players on the pitch which shouldn't really be there and they're quite lucky to be here if um, they don't go elsewhere past the uh past deadline day so yeah um in terms of uh, team selection i was happy but obviously so Sunderland wanted to cause an upset and we got away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they've really impressed, Alex. You know, they had Ahmed uh, Diallo's on loan from Man U. I mean, his dribbling was incredible. Patrick Roberts, especially in that first half, I thought was superb because of all sorts of issues. Jack Clark, direct. You know, they had a bit of swagger about them. They played, as you said earlier, Alex, without any kind of fear. It felt like at certain times they they, they wanted it a bit more. We had obviously the sad news that um, Ross Stewart suffered a suspected torn Achilles. Obviously, we uh, goes that saying that we we um, wish him all the best and hope that it's not as bad as they um, they first um, feared. But I just wanted to ask, what did you make of the Sunderland team, their travelling support, and if you were Marco, how do you go into that replay? Do you is it much of the same same team, or do we just go all out to try and get the job done, full strength side? I think you've got to go all out this time, uh, going away to the stadium of light because. Most away fans, when they come to the cottage, they sell out their little portion of the Putney end, whereas Sunderland had the entire uh, Putney end, which yeah. I thought was was pretty incredible. The fact they brought that many fans down. I know it's a big occasion for Sunderland as it was for us. I think we sold out most of the, of the home support ends as well. So um, I think Marco's got to really go for it. Uh, in in the replay, I think anything short of that is is a disappointment. I know Fulham aren't expected to go that far in the in the FA Cup this time around, as as seems to be the case every year. But I think this year is as good as any for us to really make a a charge through through the competition. But he's got to take it seriously, and I'm not saying that he didn't this time around. He's got players that he needs to play uh, to keep match fit. Kazawa needs to come back into the squad if he wants to stay uh, in contention. Um, but I think this time around, when it comes to the replay, he's got to play his strongest eleven because that Sunderland side at home is going to have the full support of forty thousand fans behind them, and I think a weakened side is not going to stand up to that pressure. Yeah, George Fulham finished with twenty-two shots on goal, and a silver argued earlier. A little bit more ruthlessness maybe would have carried us into the fifth round, but. Only one of those 22 converted, and I know we touched upon it briefly just then, but I mean, what a goal it was from Tom Kearney. It was. It was vintage Tom Kearney. The speed of his feet going in between two or three defenders was just ridiculous. Um, I don't know if we thought we'd seen the last of that, the more he plays in a, in a deeper role when he's off the bench sometimes, but it's nice to be 
reminded of the brilliance that he has in the locker. Um, with the reference to the, the 22 shots, I think a lot of credit does have to go to Patterson, as we previously said. I mean, even from the first minute to the last, it's so easy for your concentration to break in the 94th minute after such an exhausting cup tie and to see either Bobby's header go in from what was six yards out or to get back up and parry the Willian rebound over the the bar. I've got nothing but praise for those young players. I thought Diallo and Roberts caused all sorts. Do, do you know, I, I said it in the ratings that I don't remember Kazawa being particularly bad, but the trouble he got caused by Diallo and Roberts was just incredible. Um, but no, I think I agree. You have, you have to go all out in the replay because... I, I know Alex is right. We're not expected to go far in the Cups, but if you look at the teams that are through, there's not many teams that us as a top-half Premier League team should look at and be scared of, especially when one of Wrexham or Sheffield United goes through, one of Ipswich or Burnley, one of Luton or Grimsby, one of Stoke or Stevenage. There will be some favourable draws to be had that, and all it takes is a bit of luck and you're into a quarter-final. So, yeah, I think we need to take the next round seriously if we get there. And I think we need to take this Sunderland game as seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's an age-old debate about the FA Cup and the replay situation. I mean, Cameron, like, the Kenny's equaliser invigorated us. We chucked on William Mitrovic and we really did, you know, it was clear that Marco wanted to avoid that replay. Um, just, I just want to hear, like, everyone's take here. In the, I, I understand when, once you get a bit further into the competition, like the semi-finals and stuff, but do you do you think that it should have gone to extra time and penalties. Because I'm looking at that game yesterday, you know, it was frantic, it was entertaining. If that had had an extra 30 minutes and a penalty, it would have made the whole day a hell of a lot more exciting. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the spectacle, definitely. Everyone wants to see penalties in potentially unravel, even if it's at your team's expense. There's no, uh, there's no drama quite like that. And uh, I think that's where the FA Cup really comes into its own because there is no club competition quite like it in the world anywhere. But an extra half an hour of that, peppering them, throwing absolutely everything we've got at them, especially once we brought some of our more established players on, we realised we were in a proper game then. Um and it was end to end, so it wouldn't. I don't think necessarily we would have had the, um, you know, the lion's share of it. Even if it was going into extra time, it would have been like a basketball match, because going forward they looked so so dangerous. And every time they got on the ball, it was white knuckle stuff, and you thought this is it. They're going to get themselves ahead, and as we found out, they very very nearly did win the game in the dying stages. But if you're telling me the FA Cup would benefit from penalties and um, you know extra time in these earlier stages, then definitely. <laughs> who, yeah. wouldn't want, who wouldn't want more football? <laughs> I'm trying to think of why they don't do it, and I can only deduce that it's because they wouldn't want the team that had the home draw to have too much of an advantage. That I can't think of any other negative at this stage, really. And I, I mean, is that is that the official reason or? It's just because it's like steeped in tradition. It's like, we've been doing this tournament for 150 years and we're not going to change it now, like that kind of feeling. I think tradition's a lot to do with it. I mean, it's it's not too many decades ago that the final went to a replay. Yeah. So I think you'd be waiting quite a while for a decision to be made on replays in the earlier rounds where it gives, especially the smaller clubs in the opening rounds, that chance of a big payday from a big away day. Yeah. I don't think they've got any incentive to take that away anytime soon. Mm. I thought I just want to touch upon 
Manor Solomon, Alex, who made his first start for Fulham after coming back from that horrible knee injury. I mean, he looked really good. I thought he was arguably our best player first half. What did you make of his first start? I, I agree with you. I, I thought he was uh, he was very impressive uh, down the left wing, cutting inside, giving uh, the Sunderland defenders something to really think about. Um, and he put in a lot of good uh, crosses as well. So I was really impressed by Manor Solomon, the fact that he, he's had so long out, but he looks like he's fresh out of the box. He's ready to go. He's ready to kind of get stuck into this to this Fulham side. And I think I heard somewhere a little while ago that when Chelsea had signed Mudrich, that Mudrich has only gotten into the team because Manor Solomon had left. Um, if he's that good to keep Mudrich out of the Shakhtar, the next team, then we should be onto something really special here at Fulham. Yeah, I mean, the moment for me for Solomon was that ball that he put in. He, he nodded it past um, on that flank and, and then managed to get a loopy ball over to Pereira who struck it on the volley. Mm. Only for Dan Ballard to perform what is one of the most incredible goal line clearances. I, I do not know how that didn't go in. But I think I was looking yeah, back it, on it, it pinballed off Patterson and came out again. It's the only reason why it stayed out. I had, fortunately, we where we were in the in the press box, we had uh, replays to look back on, and pretty, it, it came off Ballard, pinballed off Patterson's leg, and then bounced out of play or wherever it went. So, yeah, very unfortunate not to to get a, a goal there. But Solomon, he looks like he's going to be a really impressive talent, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season is going to be like if he stays fit, because he's going to give us uh, another a, a level and be a real cutting edge down that left hand side. Yeah, no, I have to agree. I have to agree. George, I mean, we we touched upon it a little bit earlier, but that Chris Rigg, 15 years old, coming off the bench for Sunderland, smashing it in off the underside of the crossbar, only for it to be ruled off for outside. But I mean, as Alex said, he's not even done his GCSEs yet. Could you, could you imagine the headlines had that been how we went out? I mean, I think it's, you know, that more than anything is like <laughs> cause for relief. But he looked good, right? He, he did, and... <laughs> it's a funny one because the, the the narrative of a 15-year-old scoring a cup winner away to a Premier League team, you almost don't mind it. But equally, <laughs> you're not a fan of the embarrassment if the goal stands. But it is, it is lovely for Sunderland to have someone like that. I know he's had links to the likes of Newcastle, which uh, if you've seen him patting his badge as he ran away from what he thought was the winning goal yesterday, I don't think he's going anywhere near St. James's Park, but we know with the likes of Sessegnon and Carvalho how special it is to have you know a young teenager come through and have an impact on the team so early on in their career and just that feeling of one of your own. So, yeah, could have been a great moment for him, but I, I won't pretend that I'm not relieved that it wasn't. <laughs> Cam, a lot of people used the opportunity yesterday of the across-the-board £30 tickets to try the Riverside end. Were you uh, one of the Hammy Enders who ventured over to check it out? No, I wasn't. Um, it's it's just nice to look at, but I'm not really too bothered about you know comfortable seats and a view over London. I'm I'm quite happy sitting where I was, but I went back up the top of the Hammersmith M where all the hooligans are, um, and started to throw my weight around up there a little bit, you know. So <laughs> um, I'm quite happy being a hammy ender. I'm quite happy being a nuisance to people, um, and I'm quite happy sitting where I am, um, gazing up at one of the most beautiful standalones. Um, that I've probably ever seen. It is so gorgeous to look at and I don't really want to tarnish that by um, potentially having a bit of a bad experience in there um, just for, for the sake of, um, you know, padded seats. No, I'll leave it to the other people to go there. 
I would argue that the Johnny Haynes is a more beautiful thing to look at, which obviously you get to look at if you are sat in the riverside. But I mean, the, the views from up top do look incredible. I had missed out on the opportunities. I was in the I was in the Johnny Haynes actually yesterday, um, which was a nice change from where I normally sit. But Alex, have you have you sampled the riverside yet? No, not at all. Um, I've only been in in the Johnny Haynes uh, stand this season, apart from the Villarreal friendly when I was sat in the in the Hammersmith end uh, behind a massive steel pillar where I couldn't see anything that was happening in the goal mouth, <laughs> um, which was not the greatest idea ever when I bought those tickets. Um, but no, I've not been in there yet. But it does look absolutely fantastic, and like you said, the views looking over London and over the Johnny Haynes stand uh, look incredible. Um, um, if I do get to go up there, it would be quite nice to to, to experience it as well. Um, especially if Fulham aren't particularly playing very well, I can distract myself with the London skyline. Um, mm. So no is the short answer, but I'd love to be up there at some point soon. Is there any word on, there seems to be a bit of ticketing drama before kickoff, uh, big queues experienced outside the Riverside end, something to do with the QR scanners not working. Has anyone heard anything about that? I, I, I kind of missed it all, but we've had a few questions on on Twitter. No. no, I haven't heard anything. No, well there, well, there you, well, there you go. That's well, what you're All we saw was was Stephen Stephen Sheldrake, our own. He, he was struggling to get in from the Riverside with, within you know ten minutes of kickoff, and there were tweets beyond three o'clock of queues outside. So, what whatever the stewards have arranged clearly didn't work yesterday, and clearly weren't prepared for the crowds that were going to enter the Riverside. It was like yeah. musical chairs, wasn't it? Um, I was watching people file in and file back out again because they had no clue where they were going either. It was it was quite quite funny. Um, people going, oh, excuse me, sorry, that's my seat. And then, you know, an argument nearly uh, nearly erupts and uh, one of them has to back down. It was quite funny to see, but pandemonium. <laughs> right, so we're in the fifth round draw, which is the most important thing. Hypothetically... Guys, I just want to chuck this out to all of you. What what would be your what would be your dream fifth round draw? So the, the, it's going to be broadcast on BBC One on Monday during the One Show at seven o'clock. I always find it funny that they do it during the One Show. It's like, um, all right, surely it should have its own little part of the news. Anyway, but yeah, we've got some good teams. I'm going to start with you, George. What would be your uh, what would be your dream draw for uh, for the next round? Well, it's it's the cup paradox, isn't it? You either want an easy home tie, which, you know, you look at Luton or Grimsby at home, you wouldn't mind. Sheffield Wednesday or Fleetwood at home, you wouldn't mind. Stoke or Stevenage at home, you wouldn't mind. And then there's those of us that want to tick off the 92 and see a new ground, at which case you're looking at, well, if Grimsby, Grimsby get through, Grimsby away. If Fleetwood got through, Fleetwood away. But... um. No, give it. Give me Sheffield Wednesday or Fleetwood home or away, and I'm happy. Nice one, Cam. Who 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 do you fancy? Wrexham away, definitely. That's 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 the one that I want. <laughs> Got to be Wrexham away, man. Go away to uh, teach those Hollywood wannabes a little, a little lesson about football. Really, come on now. Like, it's got to be, and that, and it's uh, it's quite an interesting looking stadium as well. Um, I've never ever been to Wrexham before in my life, so it'd be nice to tick that. Uh, is it a town or a city? I don't even know. I believe it's a town. But oh, I'll, a town. I'll have to check that. I mean, it's a tough place to go there. Though. They are absolutely flying in the league at the moment. You know, they're top, I believe, aren't they? I, I, they I, are, wouldn't, yeah. want, I, I wouldn't want to be Sheffield United going there today. That that could be a big old shot. It's going to be yeah, a bloodbath, isn't it? Yeah, because they're going to be right up for it. So I'd, I'd love to get Wrexham and get stuck into them, really, and see how we, how we fare. 
Alex, is any any that stand out to you? Or are you with uh, you Club Hollywood with us? Oh, I was going to say it's got to be a, a trip to the Etihad again. No, I'm teasing, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wrexham would be absolutely lovely. Um, the fact that they're still the the only non-league team in it, and yes, they're they're backed by Deadpool. Um, it just all kind of adds to the magic of that that side and. I'm someone who follows non-league football quite a lot, uh, going to support my local side who are still in the FA Trophy, which is quite nice. Um, no, it's got to be Wrexham. Just for the magic of the fact that they're in the, the, the National League, it looks like they probably will come up this year, uh, bar some kind of uh, weird coincidence. Um, and the race course looks like a fantastic traditional ground. So if Fulham get to play there in the next round, then I might have to join you boys and come up with you. Um, and just to, to add a bit of colour, Wrexham is a city, not a town. Oh, oh well, well there you done. go. Cheers. Apologies, apologies <laughs> to any anyone who lives in Wrexham for uh, for that mistake, and anyone who lives in Chester who was like, "Yes, they're not a city after all." <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if we get City away? That would be like, oh, for f- <laughs> like all of this chat about excitement, like, is our years have a cup run? You know, we're close to safety. This is the time we've got a strong team. We're looking good. We're taking it seriously, and then get City away in the fifth round. It would be that. Would, that would be. It's not even worth thinking about. Let's 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 move on from that. Uh, anyway, that's it for part one. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with a few of your questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Fulhamish Podcast with me, George Cooper. I'm joined by Cam Ramsey. Hello. George Roster. Hello. And Alex Irons. Hey. How you doing? Yeah, so we're talking about Saturday's FA Cup draw to Sunderland. I've, thank you very much for everyone who got in touch. Uh, there have been a few people on Twitter, a few people on our lovely Telegram chat. Uh, this first question, I'm going to chuck it to you, Alex. Mark Holiday asked, should we have made so many changes today if we're led to believe we want a lengthy run in the cup? There's a few things that you can do from that. I would argue it's a pretty strong team. We've obviously got to think of, you know, the the league and the impact that doing a full strength team would do um would have on that. But yeah, wh- where where did you stand on the on the squad that we put out? I didn't think it was a, a weak side at all. I think you're gonna see the obvious changes of Vinicius in for Mitrovic and and Rodak in for for Leno, but as far as the rest of the squad was concerned, it was it wasn't a weak side at all. You had Kenny start, which was nice. And of course, being against a championship side, uh, he normally started most of last season's games anyway. You'd have thought that the team that we had would have dealt with a, a championship side pretty pretty swiftly. But the fact that Sunderland really gave it a good go, and, and I said earlier on, they were they were fearless yesterday. Um, if it wasn't for the fact they had that tenacity against them, or a ten- tenacity inside them, uh, it should have been, uh, you would have thought that Fulham side would have been 
easily been able to deal with uh, a championship side, especially one in the middle of the table. But it just kind of shows how how strong that Sunderland side is, despite being so young. So I think going into the replay, you're going to have to have a stronger side than the one that we played yesterday. It's going to have to be, Mitrovic has to start. He might even have to start Burton Leno uh, as, as Rodak. I know he's not getting as many games in as he was last season, but he's not looking anywhere near as as comfortable in goal as he was last season. Uh, and I think he's maybe becoming a little bit of a liability. Would you agree with that last point, Cam? Yeah, I agree with that entirely. Um, I think Rodak was a bit flappy. Um, he didn't necessarily look too assured with his decision-making. And with Bernd Leno, he's uh, he's such a good conductor from his 18-yard um, box. He he watches the game unfold and he's um, always gesticulating and uh, uh, g the boys up and making sure they're in the right areas. And I just thought Rodak yesterday didn't necessarily look like he had those uh, same leadership qualities that Leno does. But you've got to remember this, uh, as, as Alex already touched on, it's a keeper which hasn't had many minutes at all. And uh, longevity... Um, is something which goalkeepers definitely need for them to return to the best of their ability. Um, but yeah, there's, there's there's no contest between Leno and Rodak, and I completely agree that I think in the uh, in the replay it needs to be Leno back between the sticks. Ooh, a bitterly cold midweek trip up to the northeast, but full strength team. It would be on. It should be on telly as well. You'd, you'd imagine. So you know, for those uh, unable to make the trip up, yeah, things to look forward to. Right. I'm going to throw this one out to all of you, but I'm going to ask uh, you to kick things off, George. So James Wilson asks, name 10 things you'd rather have Meat Show do than go to Sunderland for a fourth round replay. <laughs> have, you got, have, you got, have you got any off the uh, top of the dome? I've, I've got four. I've prepared for this. <laughs> um, I've come up with the conclusion that if he, he can travel up north with his teammates, that's not a problem. But instead of Sunderland, he's got to go to Newcastle. And have a night out in Popwell because I think he'd see a few a few familiar faces from the Newcastle crowd, and I just think he'd have a great time. Um, number two, he could just stay at Motspur and practice penalties. I think that could be a good use of his time, if we're being honest. Um, number three, he could hire a recording studio and have a couple of hours with Gala and do a remake of Freed from Desire, the Metro remix. I think that would sell well. And um, I've also put him on a plane to Turin so that he can convince Sasa Lukic to join in and sign for Fulham. I think that would be a good use of his time. Agent Mitro. Well, although, although maybe not, because the last time we got Mitrovic involved with transfers, we ended up with Lazar Markovic. So I, might <laughs> have to rethink, I might have to rethink that one. Very good. Hard to follow those ones. I have to agree. Uh, any, anything to add, gents? Yeah, Got a couple. Um, I'd rather him dance um, with starving bears, with uh, <laughs> with honey smeared all over his skin. Um, oh, amazing. I'd rather him. I, I'd rather him take my wife out for a candle lit steak dinner, um, and and I pay for it as well. Um, I just don't think a trip up to Sunderland, um, knowing that the Mackhams hate everything magpie. Is, um, is 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 a sensible move. He's going to get lumps kicked out of him from the word go. So uh, keep him at home. I'll um, I'll run a warm bath for him. Um, I'll get the incense going, and I'll head out for the afternoon whilst uh, whilst he wines and dines my missus. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's enough to uh, to to convince him to stay. 
Very good. Alex, anything to add? Not after that, no. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say, I've recently moved, so you can help me unpack some things. But apart from that, no, not particularly. Maybe I stay at home. And, office on the table. Yes, man. he can. He can stay at home and wrap himself in bubble wrap and cotton wool for all I care. <laughs> oh, thanks very much for that question, uh, James Wilson. Good fun, uh, George. We're moving away from the uh, FA Cup slightly for the seconds, um, and we've got a transfer question here. Mark asks, can we expect Suarez, Luke, uh, Lukic, Andre and Duffy on permanent? And if that does happen, does that mean Oliver, Shalabert and Babu go out the door? Have you, have you got, I mean, this is just a general kind of transfer whisperings question. Have you, have you got any insight at all? I'm not sure about insight. I can only really go off what most people have seen. Um, I know that there's obviously European interest for, for Mbabu on loan. I think it was reported a couple of days ago that Chalaba is making his way to West Brom on an 18 month deal. So I'm, I'm, if, if he's got, eight, has he got 18 months left with us? I don't know if they're just taking over his contract or something like that. What that means for Onima, I don't know because I was under the impression that once it came to January, the move that failed to West Brom on deadline day would happen this January. That's not happened. So you do have to wonder where his future will lie come the deadline. Um, terms of signings obviously Cedric we are assuming for the time being is going to be alone which means you do either send Duffy or James back or sign a permanent um from all I've seen the suggestion would be that if it were to happen Duffy would sign permanently that's what I heard I, I, I don't know what if that makes sense considering I'm quite confident I've heard he's not too happy with the lack of playing time and if if you're unhappy as a loan player, you're not going to be happy as a permanent player not playing. Um, so that that would surprise me, but it, it's one way of getting around having another domestic loan. Sasalukic, uh, I mean, Fabrizio Romano has been putting six or seven tweets out saying the same thing, but it appears that it's going to be about eight to ten million euros that we're going to try and sign him for. They've they've made a midfield signing in the, the recent days in I think it's Illich, um someone Marseille were going for, but so that might open up a, a an opportunity for a midfielder to come out of Torino and hopefully that's the case because from everything I've seen, admittedly a lot on football manager, he looks a really good <laughs> six slash eight. And um yeah, Andre, Fluminense, obviously can't pretend I've seen much Brazilian football, you'd probably have to look for Jack Collins's opinion on that for more. But, you know, I'd, a lot of the signings that Marco Silva has made his own have been majorly successful. So if that's a signing he's going for, because we know he's got history going into the Brazilian market, you know, it was Richardson at Watford, it's been Rodrigo Muniz here, then that's fine. And I mean, if, if there is this compulsory £20 million in the summer, he's, he's got to be half decent, hasn't he? I watched the skill compilation video for Andre and it just made me think, I think anyone would look good if someone made, I'm going to make a skill compilation video for you, Cam, from uh, from your Sunday league team. Because uh, <laughs> I'm treated to the occasional free kick that someone's filmed from the sidelines that you've uh, you've stuck in top bins. So if you could just send as much footage of you bagging for your, uh, for your what's, your, what's your team's name again? Oh, it's not Atletico, it's Atletico Buble. <laughs> yeah that's the um, one so look out for that on the Fulhamish the, the Cam Ramsey skill compilation video uh, <laughs> but yeah Duffy if he did sign on a permo it would just be like the, the 
designated vibesman, wouldn't they? The, the, Kev, the Kevin McDonald role, well, getting the chance started in the uh, in the dressing room. And well, I was in the Golden Lion um, before the game yesterday, and this could just be fictitious hearsay, obviously, um, but apparently he drinks in a boozer, um, which one of the one of the fellows uh, frequents quite quite often. Um, and he isn't necessarily unhappy. He's been out with a suspected foot injury, um, which has kept him out of uh, regular regular game time. So I don't necessarily think it's the fact that he's um, unhappy. I think it's a, a little knock that he's had, which has uh, hampered his game time. Um, but you can't argue Duffy, man. Like I mean, if you're going to say Duffy's a fourth choice Premier League centre-half, that's not bad going really, is it? So make him a perm and get rid of James. Hmm. I mean, I heard he was off with illness for a while. Well, I, do you know? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking that for verbatim at all. That's just what I've heard. Um, it's quite interesting discussion. The guy said it with chest, so I'm kind of uh, at liberty to believe a portion of it. But you know, it, it could just be twaddle. To be quite honest with you. Got you. I'm going to chat this to all of you. So Michael asks, I'm going to start with you, Alex. And we, we've had similar questions. It seems to be a, sort of like a, a hot conversation starter at the minute. But FA Cup final this year or Europe next year? I mean, I'd, oh, that's a good question. I mean, I would love to, to see Fulham at Wembley again. Um, after the last time we were there, we didn't get to go. But Europe next year means... Uh, means a possibility of either going on a nice little European tour or getting knocked out in the group stage by it's a big gamble it's a big gamble yeah that's right I think I'm going to say European tour over over FA Cup I know that you know we've not been to an FA Cup final since 1975 which for all sense and purposes was 16 years before I was born um, but just the memories of that European uh, the Europa League run in 2010 it, you you kind of want to see that again with a, a side which is you could argue arguably say is maybe better than the one that got us to Hamburg thirteen years ago. Very very intense debate that. So I'm going to say Europe next year. There we go. Uh, do you, do your thoughts echo that, Cam George? I'm 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 with you, Alex. I think. I don't know. I mean, I'm personally in the camp of two day day trips out of Wembley, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. If we get to the final, that means we would have gotten through one trip to Wembley, which will be fantastic enough. Our track record at the new Wembley is pretty spotless, really, isn't it? So I'd like to see us go and uh, continue that 100% record. Um, I, I, I just think... It's lovely. It's rose tinted to imagine us on away days to Poznan next year, um, but I still feel it's a little bit early. I don't know whether that's just me being completely overcautious, but I'd still like us to uh, to make some real solid um, acquisitions in the summer and maybe see what next year brings us. Um, so the answer to the question is, uh, yeah, a final at Wembley after a um, an amazing semi final at Wembley. George, yeah, I'm. I don't think it's a debate for me. I'm. I'm all in on the cup final. Um, I think, as a Fulham fan, I can't dream of anything more than a domestic, not a domestic, but a major trophy to our name. You know, I, I, I think it's obviously possible, but from what I've seen in my life, I just can't imagine it ever happening. So having that chance in a domestic final. I couldn't put anything over that. And I also think that if you look at the last 10, 15 years and the teams that have had a chance in Europe, you've seen 
Burnley in Europe, you've seen Birmingham in Europe, you've seen Wigan in Europe, Swansea in Europe. The opportunities come around, maybe not frequently, but with the addition of the Conference League and, you know, if you win the Cups, you're in Europe. There's so many opportunities to get into Europe now and so many people have had the opportunity. I mean, we had two years out of three in Europe in that little period between 2009 and 2012. I think those chances come again. How often the chances come for a cup final? Well, for me, it's none in a lifetime and it's one in 50 years. So it's a no-brainer for me. A cup final at Wembley is is the dream. I was um, chatting to, I can't remember who it was, but the when we the second Europe run that that was that was horrible wasn't it we got knocked out who is it that knocked us out against a Polish team was it, o, was it Odense yeah it was Odense like in the last yeah. last minute I think in the group stages I think it was a, a mistake from Zubabula or something <laughs> and Orlando Sarr had a chance to, to put us through maybe like a minute before and then they went up the other end yeah, of the school. I was like, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to turn the TV off now. There's no point watching it anymore. So a reminder that a reminder that Europe doesn't necessarily equal timeless it's memories. Nice to dream. Anyway, <laughs> if, if, if we, nice to I, dream. I do like looking back at that season. We we weren't the only the other two English clubs in the Europa League that season. Does anyone want to have a guess at? I oh know there was three other English clubs in the Europa League. One of them was Tottenham. Does anyone want to guess at the other two? Uh, Aston Villa. No. Wigan. No. Birmingham City. Birmingham, correct. What? Yeah, because they just won the uh, the Carling Cup against Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. Martins, yeah. Yes. And uh, the other one was Stoke. Stoke got through a group including Besiktas, Dynamo Kiev and Maccabi Tel Aviv, whereas Tot- Tot- Tottenham got knocked out of a group with Payok, Ruben Kazan and Shamrock. <laughs> Birmingham narrowly finished behind Club Brews and Braga, which is a decent effort. And uh, we finished below Twente and Vizsla Krakow in a group that also included Odense. So that was fun. Some of the best footballing sites in Europe and Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to visit that world ever again, keeping where they are. PSG that year came third in their Europa League group behind Bilbao and Salzburg. There's a lot to look at that year. <laughs> wow. Oh man, if only. We can dream, we can dream. Right, so our next league outing, and indeed any outing, is Chelsea away, which is on Friday night. I mean, it seems mad because it was so recently that we played them last time. In fact, like, yeah, Felix is still serving his suspension. This is the last game of his uh, three-match ban. And we won't go into too much detail because I know uh, Sammy, Jack and Peter are back for the Thursday club and they'll be giving a deep dive into all things Southwest Six Derby. But any of you lads going? Yeah. I'd like to. If anyone's got a spare ticket. What do you, how, are you, uh, how are you feeling going into this, Cam? Confident. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not watching their transfer movement at all. It's scattergun tactics, isn't it? Panic stations. It, it completely is. And um, we've already clarified earlier that like, you've got someone like Manor Solomon keeping Madrid out of the Shakhtar squad, and he's only come into prominence because Solomon's playing for Fulham. Basically, I'm not worried about it. We can beat a Graham Potter side for the third time this season without a doubt. Um, run that little PE teacher into the ground like we did at Craven Cottage, um, <laughs> and. Who doesn't love a knees up at uh, at the neighbour's house and absolutely wreck it? You know, it's last time I was there, I think we lost 2-0 and, and Loftus, Loftus Cheek scored. 
but their home fans are awful. The away fans are always good at Stamford Bridge. Um, and I'm just looking forward to a Friday night, a Friday night spectacle. Really, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a naughty one, and I can't wait for that. Yeah, it'll be um, a good game. Very much looking forward to it. I do think we could do the double over them this year, um, but we shall see. I mean, they've obviously got they've got goals in them somewhere, but they're they're misfiring at the minute. I mean, Alex, do you do you echo Cam's optimism? I don't know because this. I feel like the team that we play on Friday is going to be a completely new one that we played a couple of weeks ago because they've bought about 11 players since then. I think one of them's only just come in today as we're recording this. Malo Gusto from Lyon. They signed about an hour ago. I'm not, I don't know anything about him, but it's just the fact they seem to be, they have this conveyor belt of signings that gets going to get to a point where they're like AC Milan <laughs> in the 90s where they'll sign anyone and everyone. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like Chelsea are slowly just, they're resetting. It feels like they're going to have when they when the uh, their roster of players that have been uh, injured for most of the season when they start coming back in we'll start seeing maybe a, a more full strength Chelsea side but the fact that it's going to be a team with maybe half the squad with new signings you don't know what you're going to get from them um so I'm a little bit cautious especially as, as they've had a week off after being knocked out of the FA Cup last round I don't know what to expect cuz it feels like we're going to get a completely different team that played us a couple of weeks ago so mm. As much as I'd like to be optimistic, I'm not sure at the moment. I mean, it can go either way. You could factor in the time that it takes for new signings to bed in and for that squad to gel, or they can make an immediate impact like Felix did before his uh, sending off at our place. But I guess uh, time will tell. I'm very much looking forward to the second South for Six derby of the year. I think that's all we got time for. The only thing that's left is to name the pod. Um, George, which one are you going to go for? Because there were some absolute belters in there. There were some brilliant ones, but the the one that I was definitely going to go with the moment I saw it was O Southwest Six with Mac and Play again. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one, isn't it? That's the one. Well done. We'll be back on Thursday with Sammy, Jack and Peter for the regular Thursday club. Thanks very much for your time this morning, gents. Alex, it's great to have you on again, mate. My pleasure. I'd love to be back on. Cam, always a pleasure. Always good to be back, boys. And yeah, cheers, G. Cheers, mate. Thank you. We'll be back next time. You guys have a great week. <laughs>